Welcome to Bengali Girl episode 2. This is your podcast host Nikita and thank you so much for tuning in. As you know from the end of episode 1 or even from the title of this episode, we will be talking about a sensitive topic which is mental health. Thus, I would like to say a little bit of a disclaimer. The content provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast host AKME and should not be attributed to any sponsors, advertisers or affiliates. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please seek help from a qualified healthcare professional immediately. The podcast host is not responsible for any actions taken by listeners as a result of the information provided in this podcast. Now that we have gotten all of the formalities out of the way, let's talk about this sensitive topic and I do understand that it might be triggering for some people which is why some people might not choose to listen to this episode but I believe this is not a taboo topic and should not be a taboo topic in our society anymore and I'm sure a lot of people can relate that there are still a lot of Bengalis out there who think that mental health issues come about because we do not drink enough water we do not get enough sleep or we do not go out enough and if anything else we should just be admitted into mental health facilities and you really can't blame the people who say this because they're also not aware or educated enough about what's really happening to you or what other mental health issues there might be and i say this because my parents also did not realize what i was going through but they were patient and they wanted to learn and understand their daughter and this can be taken as a blanket description of how the bangladeshi government and even its population reacted towards mental illness because only in 2018 the government of bangladesh recognized mental illness among the top 10 priority health concerns in the country where the ministry of health and family welfare sponsored the bangladesh mental health act to replace the outdated indian lunacy act of 1912 that was even out dated in the indian legislation now the indian lunacy act of 1912 was heavily criticized for its negligence of human rights because the act was more focused on protecting the public from the mentally ill patients as they were considered dangerous to the society this was changed uh by the mental health act of 1987 in india which came into existence in 1993 however that act of 1912 was still active and relevant in bangladesh until 2018 in 2018 the mental health act was passed in the parliament which was a special law that had overriding effects over other existing laws and contained provisions on four major issues the first one which is the establishment and supervision of mental health hospitals and rehabilitation centers second the assessment and admission and treatment of mental health patients third judicial examination of mental health and determination of mental capacity and fourth guardianship of the person and property of such patients the act defined some relevant terms such as the consent to treatment 
mental health, mental disorder, and mental illness. However, the term to the term consent to treatment is very loosely defined in the act. There is also a very subtle distinction between what is the mental illness and what is a mental disorder. So according to the legislation, mental disorder is defined as conditions such as mental disability, drug addiction, and any other clinically recognized mental conditions that might hinder a person's normal living. Whereas mental illness is defined as a form of mental illness, which is different from mental disability or drug addiction. So just me talking about what the subtle distinction is, you can understand clearly why there might be so many loopholes and gray areas in this definition of mental disorder and mental illness. And reading on this legislation further, you realize that there are so many things that are lacking, such as issues of patient's confidentiality. And there is no um, detailed written legislation about the accountability of medical practitioners for the failure to maintain that confidentiality for their patients. And I would also say that I'm a strong believer in community-based treatment rather than institutional treatment, and that is not recognized. And why do I say that is because institutional treatment is a more general form of treatment and does not take into account the patient's condition or specific triggers. However, community care or community treatment is a much more person-oriented and provides a variety of opportunities for patients. And something that kind of made me think about this in a different light is everyone in Bangladesh has relatives or siblings or family that are doctors, right? Um, this is a prestigious thing to study medical, that in every family, at least one in three people will be a doctor. However, Bangladesh does not even have one psychiatrist per million inhabitants. And some believe that having the legal provisions or you know, the criminal liabilities for providing a false certificate of mental illness may discourage psychiatrists from examining and treating patients, thus bearing the population access to mental health care services for the fear of punishment because corruption is always going to happen, right? The reason that I'm doing this beginning of the mental health awareness podcast in such a macro level is because it is so important that our government and you know the policymakers realize that awareness about mental health is very important it is not something to be taken lightly because it does affect the productivity and motivation of its population and I'm sure you can do the research on this yourself as well because there are so many journal articles from Bangladeshis and non-Bangladeshis on ways that this can be improved by the government or policy makers. In 2020, the World Health Organization had come up with an article noting that the public spending on mental health is approximately 0.05% of the total health budget. And I get that counter 
argument where the government, you know, has a lot of developments in our country coming up and the allocation of the funds has to go to that. And the government has made a lot of promises as well for development. However, it is estimated that 18.7% of adults and 12.6% of children met the criteria of mental disorders in Bangladesh. So this criteria of mental disorders is if according to the Mental Health Act of 2018 is clinically recognized mental disorders and or drug addiction, meaning that at least 30 million people in Bangladesh have mental disorders and there is not appropriate care for these people. And the reason that I'm talking about this in a macro level is because these behaviors trickle down and are replicated in a micro level as well. So I have witnessed personally companies or startups that claim to be modern, innovative and believe in equality and equity do not have the appropriate circumstances or do not provide those circumstances for their employees to have a proper work-life balance. And again, these behaviors can be seen in our development or any child's development years as well in schools and universities where they do not really talk about mental health or they do not talk about how to have or how to maintain, you know, a good mental health with all the pressure that the syllabus provides. I saw that in my cousins and my friends who did school and university in Bangladesh. And personally, I did my schooling in Fujairah and Dubai, both of which are in the UAE. And I did my first two years of uni in the University of Wollongong in Dubai. Now, in school, again, there was no education on mental health or how to maintain proper mental health but in university, they did provide like counseling sessions um, where the first session would be free of cost. And then how many ever you wanted to go to, you had to pay. I don't remember how much they were charging, but it was definitely something that I wasn't looking towards because I just wanted to talk to someone and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I needed to share this and I didn't have my sister who wasn't living with us at that time because she was studying in Bangladesh. And my parents, I felt like, at that time, we had that sort of a disconnect where I couldn't really share what I'm going through because they wouldn't understand the feeling behind it. They would just think of the tasks that were not being completed, right? So I went to this counselor and I stated everything that I was doing at that time. And in the for the first time in my life, I heard someone tell me that you have a lot on your plate. And at that time, I was like, oh, wow, that I took that as a compliment, uh, which I shouldn't have, because, you know, in our society, we are told that when you spread yourself in across too many tasks and you're doing so much and you're being busy, it's a good thing. It is complimented and people think highly of you when you have so much. So I was like, okay, so I am doing a lot. And my therapist uh, or the counselor who was listening to me and told me this, she was shocked at my reaction. And she said, look, I don't understand the culture behind it, which is true. She probably wouldn't be able to relate to me in that fact, but not 
no human brain should be put under so much pressure and so much stress. And if you are going to do all of these tasks that you mentioned, you need to ensure that you have time for things that make you happy, like the hobbies that you have, or just resting. Just have time to take a breather in between these tasks if you still want to do it. And I couldn't really back out from the tasks that I was doing at that point. So I listened to her and I came back home and I was just very happy (laughs) that, yay, someone thinks I'm doing so much in my life um, that I told my mom and she was like, you are not doing anything at all. And then she started, you know, talking about her tasks and everything that she does. And that's when I realized that if I stay where I am at that moment, I don't think I'm going to have any growth mentally. (laughs) And people do call me, you know, an old soul because I was always very mature for my age. But that's because I always had this wall in front of me where I defended anyone trying to get in. I was in my own head and I would just have these imaginations and fantasies that were 24-7 playing out in my head. And that was my escape. I think that was my breather, that whenever I was overwhelmed, I would just escape. And that was not right behavior as well, because that's not how you're going to live life. Otherwise, you will just be shunned inside the realms of your brain. But inherently, our human nature is when someone complains about their life, for example, if someone tells us that, you know, I'm going through this, this and that, inherently, our human nature creeps up to us and we have to answer back saying, yeah, and I'm going through this, this and that. This is what needs to stop, honestly, because when someone is complaining or venting to you, they do not want to hear what you are doing. They're not in that mental capacity to hear what you're going through. They're there venting towards you because one, they really want you know you to be the listening ear. And second, they just want to talk to some human other than the mirror or their brain or towards the wall. Our brain is a muscle and it needs to be trained and reinforced in a positive way. And I read this in a book and it stuck with me. I don't remember the book's name. I'm sorry. However, this is what I've been trying to do, that whenever I have an opinion on something, I will have a two-way conversation in my brain, in my head first, before I speak out about it. Because when you have that two-way conversation, you start realizing that you voicing a certain opinion might hurt certain group of people, it might be sensitive, it might not be right. And I think once we start doing that, we start realizing that if everyone just did this, we probably wouldn't have gossiping aunties in our society. I was part of this toxic society, right? And I had a lot of toxic traits because I was a product of this society as well. And some of them were, you know, thinking that I was superior. I had this God complex in me and Also, I I mean, (laughs) it's so difficult to talk about 
your own personal toxic traits because it's easier to talk about it when you are in front of a mirror or when you're talking to yourself and you know you're doing the self-reflection but knowing that this is going to be in the internet forever it's so scary but I did recognize that I had a god complex and I thought that there were some people beneath me that I shouldn't be talking to them and shouldn't be mingling with them and I think that changed in 2015. It was a long time coming but it changed in 2015. Um, I started working in this um, convention called the JITEX that happens I think every uh, twice every year and when I was working over there I started realizing that hey you know um, what I'm doing is not normal is because of course we had to answer to like managers that was my first real job um, and I had to talk to a lot of different people because I was in sales so I had to meet and try to convince them to buy this product that I was selling and that really humbled me where to this point I even tell my husband that when we have kids they need to go into retail because that will humble them so much and that will make them realize the value of not only money but of other people because it's insane it's insane the transformation that I went through while working there and you know it was difficult because we had to stand for like 12 hours and the transport was a hassle and whatnot but it was an experience that I'm so grateful for and I think from there on I started changing and started working on myself because I started discovering self-reflection books and books that would help you to improve and become a better version of yourself there was also something that during that time that my dad had told me is that you know people can steal everything from you but the one thing they won't be able to steal is your education and your uh, attitude towards the world and I think that's something every dad you know has like the advice in their small pocket of advices but that advice helped me so much because at that time I started questioning myself and how I was as a person. This is completely raw and completely unfiltered of me and you know my imposter syndrome might kick in before I release this episode and might prevent me but if you're listening to this then I won. My brain didn't. I'm completely normal, whereas I don't have anything severe of a mental health issue. However, I still go time off, time on to a therapist to just talk about my feelings because what if you bottle them up, it's just going to explode someday. So these are the few advices that I follow right now is don't bottle up your feelings, say it whenever you feel like it. Um, the second is if you are angry, now this might be difficult, but if you are angry, just distance yourself from that situation because when you are in that situation, things that will come out of your mouth are never the things that you would like to say. So always distance yourself when you are angry so that you do not end up hurting the person you love. And third, this is a new kind of a revelation. Everyone should be kept in a one arm's distance in a sort of a way. Now, let me explain what that means. That once you start mingling with 
you know a certain person or you're trying to develop a friendship and it gets really close then everything they do might hurt you and it's so difficult and it's impossible near to impossible to never have expectations from people and expectations will actually harm you if you have those Thus, my rule is everyone is a one arm's distance. You meet them in social setting, but you never really allow yourself to be, you know, vulnerable in front of these people. The vulnerable you is only allowed around people that you can absolutely trust, like ride or die kind of people. And I am, you know, lucky to have finally you know gotten that understanding of who those people are in my life because sometimes you know temporary closeness in friendships might dilute your understanding of who your ride or die people are but nothing that a wedding or an important milestone in your life you know will not show you because these events these major events in your life expose the ride or die people and that is where i'm telling you <laughs> the, my biggest piece of advice is when you have a big milestone see who are genuinely happy for you keep them around and be vulnerable around them but people who are you know distant i think it's time you distance yourself as well from them the other thing that i adapt in my life is having boundaries and i don't really know what they why would someone call yeah have healthy boundaries all boundaries that you create for yourself would be healthy eventually because you know yourself you have to understand what makes you happy what makes you anxious what makes you sad what makes you angry and then you set those boundaries because if you are even an in, like an inch confused of what makes you happy sad depressed angry you don't know yourself you need to go on that journey it is so important to look at yourself identify your toxic traits and work on them because trust me when i say this that if you do not work on them now as they say heal your inner child you know before you have kids you do not want to bring another person or influence anyone else let's say you don't want kids but you don't want to influence anyone else to be negative people who know me and now this podcast and people who are listening will know that i am very passionate about self improvement i believe that there is always room for improvement in yourself everyone has toxic traits that they need to identify and work upon everyone needs boundaries and they also need a group of people that they can call their companions for life and um it's funny because self improvement a lot of people don't take that as important because of course you know people's uh, importance or priorities in life are different but sometimes you know you wonder how can someone be so inherently shaitan or so inherently evil to you know cause harm in any way small or big to other people that is definitely some tea worthy stuff um but that's for episode 3 where i'm going to be talking about 
friendships and how it evolves from your childhood to your teenagehood to adulthood. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you got some stuff that you just learned about and now you can work on yourself as well. So I'll talk to you later um, and have a nice day. Bye.